0: EPL twenty five for twenty five percent off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL index and Anfield index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL ten or Red ten for ten percent off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadewa. What's good boys and girls? Welcome to the show on Wednesday the 30th of November. Tomorrow is December. The run to Christmas can officially start as of tomorrow. All of you people who've been getting ready for Christmas since before Halloween, shame on you. Shame on you. November is not for that. It's for just nothing. November is a month of nothing. Like January. You do nothing. In December, you can get ready for Christmas. But have your tree down shortly afterwards. None of this nonsense. Um, right. <laughs> Folks, the World Cup is just, it's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. I, I don't know whether I like it or hate it. It's kind of, it reminds me a lot of the 2002 World Cup in Japan and South Korea, where the calibre of football was quite poor. But the outcomes were interesting and there was one or two teams that really did sort of rise above to surprise. Four games yesterday, Ecuador won, Senegal two, Senegal go through. I think Ecuador shot themselves in the foot. I think they had a poor first half yesterday, but a good second half. And I thought over the course of the 90 minutes, it was a very even game. I don't think Senegal were particularly brilliant either. Over the course of the group, Ecuador were the better team. But, unfortunately, they took a negative approach yesterday, found themselves 1-0 down to an Ishmael Assar penalty. Caicedo gets them back in the game on 67 minutes, and then three minutes later, they cough up a silly goal to Kula Koulibaly. So Ecuador's World Cup journey comes to an end. But Senegal, Mark John. Now, I don't think this Senegal team are particularly good going forward without Mane and Kjetabalda. But they're pretty strong defensively. Koulibaly, Diallo, and Jacobs at left-back. Those three I really like. Wouldn't be a big fan of the chap playing right-back, Sabali. I... He doesn't look like a footballer to me. He, I've never seen a footballer move and strike a ball as oddly as he does. Now I know he is predominantly more of a left back, but still, this is the best you can muster. I thought Cease in midfield, Pate Cease, I thought he was very, very impressive stepping in when a couple of players were out injured um, Coyate, obviously, missing out. I thought uh, Pape Guy, the um, holding midfielder from Marseille, was very, very impressive. I thought the battle in central midfield was quite good yesterday. Ndiaye, the Sheffield United attacker playing right wing, not a good position for him, but I thought he put in a good shift. With Idris Iganegui now out of the first knockout game, the round of 16, I'd like to see Anzaie play in that number 10 role and maybe bring in Krep and Diata back into the team on the right wing. There's a lot to like about this Senegal team. They play really well for each other. They play really hard for each other. There's a great camaraderie. This is somewhat of a golden era for Senegalese football. Um, You know, they obviously did really well to win the AFCON. They had been runners-up at the previous AFCON. Arguably, the two greatest players they've ever had are Koulibaly and Mane. Now, Mane's obviously not at this World Cup, but Koulibaly is there. And he's a vital figure for them. They didn't get out of the group stage four years ago. They were disappointed by that. This is only their third World Cup ever, remember? So to qualify for two World Cups, win an AFCON, and be runners-up in another AFCON in a four-year, four-and-a-half-year span, I think that's very, very impressive for Senegal. Um, Obviously, the the previous World Cup they'd been at was that one in Japan and South Korea, where they got to the quarterfinals and shocked the world by beating reigning champions, France, in the opening game. Like I say, there's there's good players in the squad and their future is bright. The goalkeepers are all, you know, late 20s. Edouard Mendy is, is not long. He'll be 31, I think, in March. But it's a good core group of goalkeepers. None of them are great, none of them are world class but they're solid and Mendy is a solid goalkeeper. As long as people understand he has limitations you're going to be okay. But you look at the squad and you've got uh, Mendy who's 21 the defender from Amiens Pape Sise is 27 Moussa Day is 22 Fode Balotore is 25, Ishmael Jacobs is 23, Abdou Diallo, Diallo rather, is twenty-six. You've only got Sabali who's twenty-nine and Kulabali at thirty-one, who are sort of in their peaks. Everybody else is is still approaching that, or or very young and starting out. So this defense can improve in time. You've also got Musa Niakata, who hasn't been capped yet, but is a good defender and a 26 is someone that that could be a big part of the future for them. I like the defensive group. I do. I, I think other than the right back, I wouldn't be keen on Sabali, but you know, Mendy might be that player in time that steps in and makes that position his own. Koulibaly, I think, can probably play another four years. I think he could probably see another World Cup. In midfield, Idrissa Ghanage is 33. Cech is 32. And Impali's Mendy is 30. He's also got Pate Sise, who's 28. But then after them, it's younger midfielders. You know, Pape Matar-Sar is, I think, a star in the making. Pape Gay is a quality player for Marseille. That's two young midfielders you can look forward to building around. Crepin Diata, as a wide player, is only 23. Uh, Mustafa Nami is in the squad. I don't know much about him. Mamadou Lom is in the squad. He's currently on loan at Reading uh, from Porto. He looks a decent player. You've got Boubacari Samari, who's declared for Senegal. I don't know why he's not in the World Cup squad, but I'd certainly be calling him up as soon as you have your first game afterwards and making sure you have him in your group and Joseph Lope is not a player I'm familiar with he's only well, he is thirty, so he's he's kind of coming towards the tail end playing in the second division of france i don't I don't know how good he is um midfield you'd hope that you'll get one or two more that appear on the scene. Or, you know, one or two more that get fed up playing uh, or being eligible for France and not getting a call-up or whoever else. So the midfield has promise. And in Sar, Gay and Sumare, it could be quite monstrous. Like, it could be a really athletic, aggressive midfield. Similar to what we're seeing from America right now. You know, just players that will overrun opposition midfields. And you've got quality in attack. Like, Mane's not there. is not there. Dembisek is a talented player for Torino. He's not in the current squad. In the current squad, you've got Nicholas Jackson, who's really, really talented. Bouladia, who's a good player. He's only 26. Uh, Ilham NDA, Sheffield United, 22. Ishmael Assar twenty four, Bamba Dieng twenty two, and that's a really good young group. And with the way Mane looks after himself, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays another World Cup. Especially having missed this one, I think he'll be desperate to stick around. Balde the same, having missed this one, I I, I think both of them are probably in the squad in four years. Deadview is the only one at 29 that's kind of going to age out. Now, he might still be sticking around, but whether he'll be good enough in four years or not, and he's not got the legendary nature of a Mane or a Koulibaly to kind of warrant being picked, even if they're not good enough. But this Senegal team, like, I don't think they're going away anytime soon. I think when you look at that kind of squad, you can very easily chart the next four years and what they will look like. And it should be quite exciting for them. Like they should have all of these players for as long as they want them. Their manager, Alou Cisse. He's done such a good job. I said the other day when I went to the managers, I don't know what kind of job he would get off the back of this, but I don't know that he's going to want to walk away. Like He's reaching legendary status in his homeland. He already has it as a player, but now he's getting it as a manager as well. and i'm sure there's a couple of other players like really talented young players that just haven't made the the level of the national team yet that we don't even know about or that i i'm just not familiar with um so we'll you know we'll likely see a couple more stars appear but there's a couple already in that squad a couple of stars in the making Pape matar Star is absolutely one of them i think nda and jackson can also Reach that kind of level. Um, Jackson's just really impressed me for for Villarreal. He doesn't score enough goals yet. That's the knock that I would have on him. He doesn't score enough goals yet, but he's twenty-one, and he's got plenty of time to add that to his game. NDA, I I think he's, I think he's absolutely tremendous. He's having a great season. He had a really good season last season. I think this is one way or another. This is last year in the championship. He is absolutely a Premier League caliber player, or he could go and play in France or Italy or Germany or Spain, Portugal if he wanted. He's, I think he's one that can go very, very far in the game. I really do. I think he's got the desire, the work rate and the talent. And when you get all of those combined, it, it generally leads to good things. Jacobson, Diallo locks down the left side of that defence for years and years to come. Koulibaly will be there. Sort that right-back position. And I don't think they've got anything to worry about because, like I mentioned in midfield, Sar, Gaye, and Boubacari, Samare, that's, that's to me a, a powerful midfield with decent technical level. Like, Samari's got a decent technical level about his game. Gaia, I think, has a high technical level. And Sar, I think, is the pick of the bunch. Now, he desperately needs to get away from Tottenham. After Christmas, he needs to get alone and get out and play games because he can't have at 20 years of age a player of his talent going an entire season without playing a game and that's going to it's an important game I should point out that's what's going to happen here because Conte doesn't like young players this kid is far too good to be sat on the bench sat in the stands he, he needs to go and play so Tottenham need to find a loan for him in January so he doesn't start to stagnate in his development but Senegal, like I say, they should be really proud of themselves. They've gotten out of this group. They should be really excited about what the future holds for them. And let's be honest, their fans have been the best thing at this World Cup. Their fans are unbelievable. The noise they create, even though it's not a huge amount of Senegalese there, the noise that they manage to generate, the the good vibes they bring, the dancing, the just the general happiness of them is great to see. And more of them, please. More of them would be really, really good. Uh, moving on. Poor old Ecuador. Feel sorry for them. But I think they're only at the start of their journey, if I'm being honest. When you look at their squad, it's really young and really talented. And we know about the kind of the star names. Caicedo is one of the better midfielders in the Premier League already. I think most people um, will have been impressed by Hincapié. I think Gonzalo Plata is a real, real talent. One that's destined for bigger things. Sifuentes is a Cracking little midfield player. He'll definitely get a move to Europe soon. Sarmiento, very, very talented. Another one of the Brighton crew. Uh, Estupenden, like 24 years of age. He's already one of the better left-backs in the Premier League. Watford found him and brought him to England. Never got to play him because he couldn't get a work permit. Loaned him out. Granada, Almeria, Mallorca. And then he went to Osasun and that's kind of where he really took off. And then they sold him straight away. And he was good for Villarreal. I was a bit surprised they sold him. But obviously Watford paid you know, the fee that was required. He's been great for... Or, sorry, Brighton paid the fee that was required. He's been great for Brighton. But he was 18 when Watford bought him. He played... 45 games in Ecuador and Watford got him in. Like Their scouting in South America has always been really, really good. Their scouting in general is really good. It's just a shame they can't run their football club the way they scout. But between him, Hincapié, uh, Prasado, the right back, I think he's quite good. Um, Felix Torres looks a good player as well. That's a quality group who are all young and all have at least an, another one World Cup in them. And in some cases, they'll have potentially two or three. Um, same with the midfield. Sifuentes, Caicedo, Plata, Sarmiento, Mendez, Franco, Groizo. Easy to see all of these guys at the next World Cup. Obviously, an attack, they're so heavily reliant on Enner Valencia. And that's what they need to look for, is they need to look for that striker who can come in, replace Valencia as the main goal threat. I mean, look, nobody outside of Valencia has scored more than eight goals. Estrada has eight. Angel Mina, who's 34, has seven. And after that, nobody has more than three. Nobody who's been called up in the last 12 months has more than three. So they've got to find that player. They've got a couple of really exciting young midfielders on the way. Um, Angulo, who's an Anderlecht, very highly regarded. Patrickson Delgado, currently with young Ajax there are some people that think he might be the most talented player they've produced. And then Anthony Valencia at Royal Antwerp is, is another talented player. So this is, this is a nation with a really bright future. As long as they find somebody who can score goals, they're also going to have to replace their goalkeeper. Glindez is 35. Now you wouldn't imagine he'll stick around for much longer. Dominguez, who's the more experienced goalkeeper. He's also 35. They do have Moises Ram- Ramirez in the squad, 22 years of age. He's got two caps already. Maybe it's him. Um, But, you know, even though the World Cup journey is over, I think the journey for this group is only really beginning. And I expect to see big things from them in the next few years. I think they could make a bit of a statement at the, the Copa America. I don't think they could win it, not without getting a goal score, but I think they can be a... A very, very difficult team to beat for a long time to come. They keep this squad together. There's no reason that they couldn't be. Netherlands 2, Katara nil. Cody Gakbo, Frankie De Jong. Netherlands true top of the group. Uninspiring for me, but they got the job done. Um, I think they could improve this team with three in-squad changes. I think you bring in Frimpong for Dumfries, who I just don't think is has played well. Malashia for Blind, give Ake some pace in front of him and a bit of support, and then I just anybody for Davy Klassen because you just never selling me on Davy Klassen ever. Um, maybe Javi Simmons in that role could be a lot of fun. Qatar go out. It's been there home World Cup. They haven't been embarrassed. They've lost 2-0, 3-1 and 2-0 in a tough group. They've given a decent enough account of themselves after that first game. The first game, they were dreadful. Awful against Ecuador. But they gave a good account of themselves against Senegal and they gave an okay account of themselves yesterday. So they go out, but there's no shame in it. Netherlands topped the group. Senegal second. Ecuador third and Qatar fourth. Um group B then were the later games yesterday. England beat Wales 3-0. Not not an inspiring performance by England. thought the first half they were poor. Rashford put them one up with a really good free kick on 50. Now Danny Ward helped them by taking a big step to his right. Just before Rashford struck the ball. If he doesn't take that step, he probably saves that. Phil Foden made it two, 90 seconds later. Ball across the front, face of goal by Kane. Foden gets in the end and, uh, and taps it home. And then Marcus Rashford wraps it up with just another shocking bit of goalkeeping by Danny Ward. It's a fairly tame shot that's hit straight at him and it goes through Ward's legs. Danny Ward to me is is just not a good goalkeeper. Um, the Welsh, I'm concerned about what the future holds for because they've been so heavily reliant on Bale and on Ramsey that they don't really have any other identity as a football team. It's literally cling on to those two's coattails and hope for the best. Hope that they can raise the level enough. You know, you look at the squad and Wayne Hennessy's 35. He's just about okay. Danny Ward is 29. He's not a good goalkeeper. Adam Davies of Sheffield United, he's 30. He's okay. I wouldn't be a huge fan. They've got Tom King of Salford City the only other keeper called up in the last 12 months. So I'd have concern about the goalkeeping position. Um, In defence, Chris Gunter is 33. I assume he'll retire from international football now. Nico Williams is 21. I'm not a huge fan, but he's better for Wales than he has been at club level. Uh, Ben Davies is 29. He still probably has one more World Cup cycle in him. And he's probably still their best defender. Chris Metham, I'm not a big fan of. Joe Roden, I do like. I never really understood why Spurs didn't give him more chances. Uh, I think he's done largely well at this World Cup bar yesterday. Uh, Connor Roberts at 27. He's got another cycle in him for certain. Ethan Ampadu has played more in midfield. I think he belongs in a back three. Like For me... Ampadu, Roden and Davies is the back three that you should be looking at moving forward with um, Nico Williams and Rhys Norrington-Davies as your wing backs. That for me would be the strongest team the Welsh could put out moving forward. Norrington-Davies obviously missed the tournament through injury. They've also got Oliver Denham who's a young defender that they're quite keen on. Ben Cabango another young defender that's done quite well for Swansea. Uh, Tom Lockyer plays for Luton, I think he's a decent backup centre-back, but not a whole lot more at international level. But other than Gunter, all of those players probably have a cycle left in them. At least, at least one. Um, In midfield, I assume that's the end of Joe Allen. Wilson's 25. Ramsey, he's 32 in a a couple of weeks, but with the injuries he's had, you might as well say he's 40. Um, Joe Morrill's okay. Johnny Williams, his career has been just hijacked by injuries. Sober Thomas, I really like, just didn't get a chance at the World Cup for whatever reason. Uh, Dylan Levett's a, a talented player, 22 years of age. Reuben Colwell's a talented player, 20 years of age. And Matthew Smith is a talented player, 23 years of age. But what's concerning is the level that they're currently playing at. None of them are playing Premier League football. Thomas and Colwell are in the championship and... Smith is in League One, while Levett is playing in the Scottish Premiership. Like, you'd like to see some of these players playing at a higher level. Of the group that went to the World Cup, Harry Wilson plays for Fulham, but he was coming off quite an extended injury. And obviously Aaron Ramsey at Nice. And everybody else is playing lower league. Like, Johnny Williams at Swindon. Swindon are League Two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, League Two. Um... In attack, you've got Brendan Johnson. He's unquestionably the future in their attack. You've got Bale. I just don't see him playing another World Cup. I just don't see that he's going to play another four years. Uh, Kiefer Moore is 30, but with his build and his style of play, he probably could do another cycle through the World Cup. Uh, Mark Harris is 23, and Dan James is 25, so they'll be around. Uh, Luke Harris, young midfielder at Fulham, super talented. He's the big hope for this team. Uh, Wes Burns, no thanks. Jordan James, another very, very talented one. He's at Birmingham. Uh, he's only 18. Will Volkes wouldn't be for me. Um, Robbie Matondo is a player I'm really disappointed in and how his development have got, has gone. The move to Schalke was a mess. He's had a couple, he had a couple of loans. They didn't go well. He needs to really kick on at Rangers. Tyler, uh, sorry, Tyler Roberts is a decent player. But at 23, it's really time for him to show what he can do. Like He's been a talent for a long, long time. I remember when he broke through at West Brom. You're going back five years? Six years. Six years you've got to go back when he broke through at West Brom and there was a lot of hype about him. They needed a couple of loans, and they went pretty well. They he joined Leeds, and he just hasn't really taken the step that was expected from him But his technical level's really good, he's got good pace. the only The, the biggest issue with him is he does pick up injuries, he picks up muscular injuries. But he needs to take a big step forward in his development because he could be a foundational piece of the next Welsh national team. Uh, Nathan Broadhead, I'm not overly familiar with. Um, They're going to lose Bale, Ramsey, Allen, Gunter and Hennessy, I would guess, between now and the next World Cup. That is your leadership group. So others need to step up into that role. Ben Davies will still be there. I think Joe Roden profiles as someone that could step into that kind of leadership role. I think he shows that when he plays. I think he's a a good talker, a good communicator. Um, But some of the younger players, like Brennan Johnson, they really do need to step up and start showing what they can do more often. Brennan Johnson, only two goals in 18 games. He's capable of much better. I don't know if I rate the manager. He's done well considering... But I don't know if that's maybe something they need to look to address. But do they look at Do they look at bringing in someone who's not Welsh, which would kind of go against how they've operated? It might be time. It might be time. Try and find the best manager you can get. Um. So they go out. England go through. I haven't been overly impressed by England, but they're through seven points. You can't ask for much more. USA 1-0 winners over Iran. Christian Pulisic with the only goal of the game. Got injured in scoring that goal and is now a doubt for the round of 16. So, remains to see what happens with him. They do have Aronson who could come in. They do have um, Gio Reyna who could come in. Super talented players. Just looking for an opportunity more than anything else. Um I like this American team. I like it more than I thought I would. I don't like the centre-back situation. And I wish they had someone up front who could put the ball in the back of the net. Um, I'd be in favour of seeing Timothy Weah play through the middle with Reyna or Aronson on the right. But Burhalter won't do that. I still think he's a bad manager. I wouldn't be a fan at all. I love the midfield though. Jesus. I've always liked McKenny but always felt like there was a little bit of something lacking, but he's been really good in this World Cup, and he's playing through an injury as well, so huge credit goes to him. Tyler Adams has just been a monster in this midfield, absolute monster, just just goes and takes the ball off people and does it really efficiently without a whole lot of fuss and just gets it on to somebody else and just keeps things moving. It's always, always moving. And Eunice Musa, to me, I think he is an absolute star in the making. I think he's got a 26 million buyout. That would be very interesting to me if I was a Premier League club looking for a midfielder to add dynamism, ball winning, aggression, pressing, run tracking at 19. Like he's 20. Actually, sorry, I'm wrong. He He's now 20. He turned 20 yesterday. Um, For, for a player that age to be that switched on to tracking runners... Is really, really impressive. I he's been one of the better players in the group stage for me, and that's the world cup caught up with. We've got four games today Tunisia, France, Australia, Denmark. They're the early games. Then we get Poland, Argentina. Then we get Saudi Arabia and, and, and Saudi Arabia, Mexico. Um, I'm looking forward to the Australia Denmark game because. Denmark have to win and I think Poland, Argentina is the, the game to watch in the late ones um, Right, I'm going to take a break when we come back we will do Crystal Palace, a couple of little things to add to my little Chelsea piece yesterday, but we'll have a look at Crystal Palace and how their season's gone and we'll do the gossip and we'll be done and I'll see you in a few minutes Right, welcome back. So, you've all heard me say that Chelsea have spent nearly 600 million in the last 3 years, but did you know that since they last won the Premier League title in the 16/17 season, they have spent 1.06 billion pounds on footballers. 1.06 billion in 5 years. Starting in the summer of 2017, ending this past summer, $1.06 billion. And they're about to add another $60, 60 million to that, to bring in Christopher Nkunku. It is overly ludicrous. What's more ludicrous is that that money was spent under four managers, none of whom are the current manager. So you've got a squad that's largely been built by four different managers that you're now giving to Graham Potter and asking him to make something out of. Four different managers in Antonio Conte, Maurizio Sarri, Frank Lampard and Thomas Tuchel who all play completely different brands of football. All have very different demands on what they want from footballers. Conte, sari they have established ways of playing, but they're completely at odds with each other. Lampard doesn't really have any way of playing. It's just go out and run around, lads, or park the buses, lads. So forget him for a minute. Thomas Tuchel is very adaptable, quite pragmatic, so he changed his entire approach. He went from being a really attack-minded coach to a really defensive coach just because that's the players he inherited. And he had to make something of what was... a a poor group of defenders from an individual standpoint. And now Graham Potter, who again is completely different. In that time, they signed 33 senior footballers and another 33 for their academy under-23 team. 66 players in five years. 33 senior players in five years. Bear in mind, a Premier League squad is 25. They signed 33 in five years. And that obviously doesn't include all the players that have come through their academy, like Reese James, Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, etc., etc., uh, Trevor Chalaba. It doesn't include the likes of Aspia Quetta who predate... Any of that spending. It doesn't include Angolo Kante, who arrived in the summer of 2016. It is absolutely staggering. And if we include the summer of 2016 when Antonio Conte took over, you're looking at Another 118 million in spending, which would bring you to 1.24 billion since Conte took over. Like we often hear people laugh at United, oh, you've spent a billion quid since Ferguson left. Chelsea spent 1.24 billion since Conte took over, since Mourinho left the last time. And I mean, it's not like Mourinho wasn't spending money. Sixty-four million in his last summer. The previous season, the year they won the league under Jose. Another eighty five no, sorry, another hundred and eight million. There's say a hundred and seventy. On top of that, 1.24, that's 1.41 billion. And Mourinho's first season, 13-14, what do they spend here? Another 60, I'm sorry, another 108 million. Like, it's absolutely outrageous how much money Chelsea have spent. People laugh at Ferguson, at United since Ferguson. Now, look, Chelsea have won two Premier League titles and a Champions League. So they'll feel like the spending was justified. They've also won a Europa League and some cups. But, like, that's that's ridiculous spending. That's 1.5 billion in a decade. And Aspio by the way, predates all of that. And they've got the best academy in the league. Probably the best academy in Europe. And this is the squad they have. It's disjointed. It doesn't fit together. A ludicrous football club. Reckless. Reckless is the is the is probably the best word to describe them. Let's move on to a club that aren't reckless. So let's talk about Crystal Palace. They're currently 11th in the Premier League. I think they'll be quite happy with that thus far they began their campaign well they they had a dreadful summer let's let's start there they went on a summer tour to asia and australia and couldn't bring half their squad for covid related issues players that were non-vaccinated, players that got COVID, whatever. So they had a split camp where half the players stayed home and half the players went on tour. It meant that they were completely disjointed, completely at odds with each other when they got back together. So they played Arsenal on the opening day. They lose 2-0. They look like a group of lads that have only just met. They look like they hadn't played together. In, in a long time. Then they draw 1-1 with Liverpool. Really good results. Then they beat Aston Villa 3-1. Then they go to the Etihad. They go ahead. They go 2-0 ahead. And then they collapse and fall apart and lose 4-2. They should have won that game. They draw it home with Brentford. They draw away to Newcastle. It's a good result. They lose at home to Chelsea and are very unfortunate to do so. Really poor refereeing display cost them that game. They were one up on seven minutes and Thiago Silva should have been sent off. That game they should have won by a couple of clear goals. They beat Leeds 2-1. They draw away with Leicester. They beat Wolves 2-1. They lose 3-0 at Everton in what is their worst display of the season by a considerable margin. They beat Southampton 1-0 at home. Then they go to the London Stadium and beat uh, beat West Ham. Now, West Ham have been dreadful this season, but it's still a very, a very good result. Then they lose 1-0 away to Forest, which they'll be disappointed by. So it's a bit of a mixed bag results-wise. You've got five wins, four draws, five defeats. They've scored 15. You'd like to see that tick up a notch. But they've only conceded 18, which isn't terrible. That's not great. But it's not terrible. In the summer, they brought in Malcolm Abue, who looks super talented from Derby. Sam Johnston on a free from West Brom, he hasn't been given many opportunities yet, but he has had an injury and Gaeta's probably earned the right to lose the position they bring in Chek Koyate; he's already been outstanding for them uh, they bring in Chris Richards from Bayern, he's had a couple of injuries, actually missed the World Cup to an injury Um, I felt like they left themselves a little bit short they needed a right back and they needed one more in midfield but they are putting together Oh, sorry. Yeah, Czech Dekure, not Czech Coyate. Czech Coyate formerly played for them. Uh, he's now at Forest. Czech Dekure is who they bought in the summer from Lens. Thanks, guy. Um, yeah, he's been really good. So you look at what they've put together. Johnston's a decent goalkeeper. He's not great, but he's decent. Anderson is excellent. Guehi is excellent. Guehi should be in the England squad for the World Cup. Tyreek Mitchell, uh, Tyreek Mitchell came through their academy. He's really, really promising. They don't have a good right back at the club. They've got Ward. They've got Klein. They're both past the best, and neither were great to begin with. They do have Nathan Ferguson, but the poor lad just can't stay healthy. He's had a horrendous run of injury luck over the last couple of years. If he can stay healthy, he could make that right back spot his own. But they might prefer someone with a bit more of an attacking nature to the game. And Ferguson might just become one of the centre-back group. So you might have him and Richards backing up Anderson and Guay, which would be fairly strong. In midfield, they've got De Curé. Like I say, I think he's excellent. They've got Eze, who's fantastic. They've got Elise, who's fantastic. I'd like to see one more central midfielder in there. And one more high caliber central midfielder like De Elise's Olise's a star. Eze's a star. I think is De destined for big things. If they get one more in there, because up front, I really like Zaha and either Mateta or Edward. I prefer Edward. I think he's I think he's a good player. I think that front two works well. Zaha and Edward. And I think it would work well with. Alise right, Eze left, De cure plus one. Now, they can change the configuration. They can shift it to a four-three-three, where Eze is more in the midfield three with De plus one, and Alise pushes into a front three with Edward and, and Zaha. That works absolutely fine. That can become 4-5-1. They can shift things around, do, do different things. They can play it as a four-two-three-one, 2 3 one where Eze plays 10, Alise right wing, Zaha left-wing, Eduardo the nine, they can do that as well. But I think they've got to get somebody else in in centre midfield. So I'd be looking at them and thinking, right back, centre midfield. That's what they need in the summer. I still think it's what they need in January. I think they've done an, an incredibly good job at refreshing this squad over the last few years. They moved on a lot of older, past their best players who weren't offering anything anymore or weren't offering enough anymore they got a lot of high earners off their wage bill and i think now you'd look at at their wage bill i think they're probably maximizing the money that they spend i think they've got good experience in the squad you know leadership the likes of ward the likes of klein the likes of milivojevic um MacArthur, who's obviously missed the, the entire season so far injured, and Zaha. These are experienced players that have been around a long time. Wolf's having a great season. He's got six goals already this year. Uh, edward has got four in all competitions. They could do with Elise and Eze offering a little bit more in front of goal, but they are primarily creative players. If they get that box-to-box type midfielder in, who can add a bit of a You know, an element of goals the the one they wanted is Conor Gallagher and I think that might be why they held off on buying in the summer because they they think they can still get him and maybe they can maybe they can but if it was me I think I'd probably kick the tires on seeing if I get Papi Matar-Sar in January on loan from Spurs Because he he needs to get out and get games. There's a couple of other options they could look at, obviously. They could look to buy somebody. Um, there's, There's plenty of good midfielders out there that they could look to bring in who could play an important role for them. But I think they can be really happy with where they are right now. I think Vieira is a good manager. I think they've got an identity, a way of playing. Like, they're 11th in the league, but they're only three points behind Liverpool, who are sixth. They're level on points with Fulham and Brentford, and only two points behind Chelsea and Brighton. And Brighton are having an excellent season. And Palace are only two points behind. They've played the same number of games. They've actually played a game less then Fulham and Brentford. Now, that game in hand is against Brighton. But if they were to draw that game, which, you know, it's a rivalry game, it's a der- well, it's their version of a derby, um, all of a sudden that they're sitting in ninth. And if Palace were to finish season ninth, we'd all say that's brilliant. Because we got so used to seeing them finish, you know, between 12th and 15th under Roy, under the parade of gammon that came before Roy. That if they can finish in the top half a couple of seasons, I think that's great for them. Now they've got big decisions coming this summer because they're going to start getting the buzzards circling, circling. Olise is going to attract interest. Eze is going to attract interest. Zaha is out of contracts. I'd love Wilf to stay there. I, I'd like Will. I've said it before. I'd really like Wilf at Liverpool because I think he fits a big need at Liverpool. I think him as the replacement for Firmino, who can also be your backup left winger, can play right wing, can be whatever you need him to be. I think he makes a lot of sense for that kind of move. But I'd love him to stay at Palace and see his career out there. Because I think he's, if he's not already, he's on track to be the greatest player the club's ever had. I think they'll build him a statue if he sticks around, plays out his whole career. Could be like Latissier at Southampton just without the appalling views on society. I think this team look at him for inspiration. I think Elise and Eze look up to him. And I think both of them take a lot of the burden off him. And he can enjoy his football a lot more. To me, Will Sahan, the last couple of years since... Vieira arrived and since they started to become more just better with the recruitment, let's be honest, they're just much better with the recruitment now. Since they went more data-driven, since Harris and Blitzer started having more of an impact on how the club operates, they've just become much better at recruitment. And as a result of that, they've become much better to watch. And they've taken a lot of the burden off Saha. When, when Roy was, you know, leading them to 13th every year, they would set out to, you know, to just not get hammered in a lot of games. And Roy would have games that he'd target for wins and for draws. And the primary way for them to win a game was to give it to Wolf on the halfway line, have him beat four people, and score or create for somebody else, all while getting kicked endlessly. And it was clear that Zaha didn't enjoy playing for Roy. But he looks like he really does enjoy playing for Vieira and with this group of players. And I'd love to see how it would work out if they got a good right-back in and got a good mid, one more good midfielder in. I'd just really like to see what it would look like. And I mean, that, that right-back could be a former player of theirs. He's the source of ridicule because the move to Manchester United has been a disaster, and because he costs fifty million. But Aaron Wan-Bissaka could be that right back, and if I was them, that's who I would be kicking the tires on. I think United would happily give him up on loan. I think you could probably get him on loan for eighteen months. United know that's a sunk cost. When does his contract expire? Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Aaron wan Basaka, by the way, the second most expensive player who hasn't been capped. And is unlikely to ever be capped by the nation of his birth. Um, he might end up redeclaring for Congo. He's 25. He, he's just turned 25 as well. His contract runs till twenty twenty four. I would guess, given it's standard practice for United, yeah, according to transfer market anyway, they have a club option to extend for a year. I reckon you could get him on an eighteen month loan and then buy him for ten to twelve million in in the summer of twenty twenty four when he's got one year left, that that added add on year. And you'd be buying him age 27. I, I think it would be worth... Actually, he'd only be 26. He wouldn't even have turned 27. If he had two good years, he might be able to flog him again. But I I, I would look to bring him back. I think he solves that right-back position for them. He's not going to offer a whole lot going forward. But if you're playing a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 with Michael Alise as the right winger, you don't need an overlapping fullback because that guy is a one-man rampage. He's unbelievably gifted. What you need is somebody who's solid defensively behind him. Now, Wambasaka isn't as good a defender as Manchester United fans used to try and make him out to be, but he's great 1v1. He's a freak athlete. And if you put the work in with him, I do think you could improve the areas of his game defensively, that need work. On the ball, he's never going to be a great player. But you don't really need him to. If he can just take the ball from Elise and give it to the centre midfielder or take it from the centre midfielder and give it to Elise, or give it back to the centre-backs, that's about all you need. Just don't ask him to do too much. If you line up Wan-Bissaka, Anderson, Guehi and Mitchell as a back four, that's really strong. Potentially, that's a top six or seven defence in the league. You put De Kure and a good one next to him with Elise, Eze, Eduard and Zaha as your kind of front four. That could be a really, really good team. It could be the best team Palace have ever had. I think they're getting close to this being the best team they've ever had in the Premier League. And obviously, Palace's history—a lot of it is lower league stuff. I, you know, if if Zaha committed and these players were willing to give it a couple of years and see what they could build, a League Cup might not be out of the, you know, out of question. There's still questions over Sam Johnston as a goalkeeper, but if he's got a good defence in front of him, he's not been asked to do huge amounts. I don't know. I like this Palace team. I like the direction they're going in. I, I do have concerns that bigger clubs come in and start to, you know, pick off the, the players that they want. But no, I do, I do like it. I do like it very much. The one I wish they'd been able to get was kind of unlikely once Monaco got involved. But Mo Camera... Who went from Salzburg to to Monaco, national teammate of De Cure. Those two together in midfield would have been an absolute nightmare to play against. Let's do the gossip and get wrapped up. Bayern Munich are working to sign Harry Kane in a deal that could cost between eighty and a hundred million euros. No, they're not. Tottenham have made inquiries over Netherlands wing back Denzel Dumfries. I really hope not, because he's not very good. He like he he's alright, but no, just no. Uh Manchester United will offer Marcus Rashford a new long term contract. His current deal is due to expire in June. Actually it's not, it's due to expire next year. Sorry, not next year, the year after 2024, because United have a club option to extend his deal by a year. Uh, the futures of Senegal goalkeeper Eduard Mendy and Spain goalkeeper Kessa Ariza Balaga are in doubt, and the club are considering bringing in a new first-choice goalkeeper. Actually, why not spend a bit more money? I mean, it's just you know the the hundred million worth of goalkeepers that they've got there. You might as well spend a little bit more. Um, Bayern Munich CEO Oliver Kahn says they will not sign Cristiano. Why is he getting asked about this? Of course they're not going to sign Cristiano. Uh, they will discuss, however, a new deal for Chupa Moting. I, I assume he's just really popular in the dressing room. Roma are willing to sell England striker Tammy Abraham in the summer. Someone might want to tell Jose Mourinho because I don't know if he's aware of that. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Argentina forward Lionel Messi is expected to stay in Europe until 2024 at least, despite reports he is close to agreeing a deal to join Inter-Miami he might just agree a deal in advance with Inter-Miami and go somewhere else for a year maybe back to Barcelona with competition from for Borussia Dortmund's Jude Bellingham increasing Real Madrid have turned their attention to Enzo Fernandez. they can take a jump leave him alone he doesn't need to go to Real Madrid take Jude instead how about that? Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain want to sign 22-year-old Ghana midfielder Mohamed Kuduz from Ajax. He's he's very talented. AC Milan want to tie Ishmael Beneser to a new contract. Understandable, he's excellent. Former England midfielder Joe Cole says Cody Gakbo will be, and I quote, on the databases for all the top clubs. Poor Joe Cole. He's not the brightest lad in the world, is he? Uh, Ex-Sheffield United boss Chris Wilder is interested in the QPR job after Michael McBeal left for Rangers. Uh, Chris Wilder stanked the place out at Borough. He might have to wait a little while before he gets into the job. Inter Milan are considering a bid for Frank Kessie. Makes sense. He hasn't settled at Barca. He's not getting opportunities. We know he's great in Serie A, so yeah, makes sense. West Ham have told Conor Coventry that he is free to, sign, to find a new club before the January transfer window. This is from the spoofer Wayne VC. Sources have told Football Insider, you haven't got any sources, son. They're all just voices in your head. Now, Coventry is a player who's likely not going to make the grade at West Ham, but he's just guessing. He doesn't have any inside information on that at all. So that is it. We will leave it there for today. Thank you as always, and I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Podcast Network.